0: In 2010, West Virginia University shocked the country with a Big East Tournament Championship and a Final Four run. This is the Final Forecast, 10 Years Later Special, a series dedicated to honoring one of the greatest basketball teams in Mountaineer basketball history. Now, over to our host, Jeff Coyle.
1: Welcome back to the Final Forecast 10-Year Special, a series dedicated to honoring one of the greatest teams in Mountaineer basketball history. This is episode four. 10 Years Later is brought to you exclusively by The Book Exchange, where Mountaineers go since 1934. Choose from the largest selection of Mountaineer gear in the state of West Virginia, with thousands of styles from brand favorites, Nike, Champion, Columbia, and more. Shop at either Morgantown location, downtown at 152 Willie Street or Evansdale at 342 Patterson Drive or purchase online at bookexchangewv.com. I'm Jeff Coyle. And for me, like for many of you, I'm sure March of 2010 was one of the most exciting months of my entire life as a sports fan. Let's continue our look back at some of the moments that made it so special. And when we left off in our third episode, the Mountaineers were crowned Big East Tournament champions for the first time ever. It took a miracle run of three games and, of course, some heroic efforts from Deshaun Butler. When the team returned to Morgantown following the championship victory, they were greeted by hundreds of gold and blue clad fans outside the Coliseum. That win meant everything to them. Bob Huggins, who had preached over and over again about this team's importance to the state, well, he was proven right. Once settled back in Morgantown, it was time to learn their fate in the NCAA tournament bracket. Selection Sunday. The Mountaineers were 27-6, they'd won the Big East tournament, and they hadn't lost in three weeks. They were one of the hottest teams in the entire country, with one of the most clutch players in all of college basketball. Bob Huggins and his team were expecting to be a number one seed. That's what they felt that they deserved. What the Mountaineers had done in Madison Square Garden, not even 24 hours earlier, was not ultimately enough to give them a number one seed, according to the selection committee. Sophomore forward Kevin Jones. It didn't surprise me. Um, of course, it, of course,
2: we felt we deserved a one seed, but it didn't surprise me. Um, it was... It was motivation a little bit, but I knew whatever seed we got that we were, we were already determined. Like at that point we had hit a stride that, um, that I didn't think anybody could beat us going forward, especially with the way we won. We, we were built, we were battle tested for, um, for the way the tournament is set up one game and done, um, we've been playing like that in a, in a lot of games. So I felt like we had the best experience in those kind of situations out of any other team. So I, I had a lot of confidence going into um, the tournament that
1: year. And what made things worse, the last number one seed was given to conference rival Syracuse. Add in the fact that WVU was considered the third best two seed and the third best seeded Big East team, well, it all soured some of the joy from that historic run. Senior forward, Wellington Smith.
3: You know what? I think it was a, a slap in the face. It definitely was a slap in the face. Um, you know, here's the Big East being known as the toughest conference in America. And, you know, though we didn't get the regular season championship, we did get the Big East tournament championship. And it's like that wasn't enough. It's like when when Kevin Jones and and, uh, and the other guy, Uh, we're up for, for Biggie's player of the year. We all knew that Kevin Jones should have got it, but it's something about, it's something about whoever selects anything, um, that just is not a fan of West Virginia. And, uh, and we know that, and, you know, part of that for us, at least for all of us that, that were, um, that were on that team just said, okay, we just got to work harder. Just got to work harder, work harder and see where that goes. And, uh, (laughs) <laughs> you know, it seems like during the Kentucky game, we went back to our instincts, which is just making threes. Junior forward
4: John Flowers. But we expected it, though, because they never give us the, the benefit of the doubt. They never give us the, the respect we deserve. So I think we kind of embraced it. You know what I mean? That's, that's what we feed off of. I'm glad we got the number two seed instead of the number one seed because it gave us some like a kind of a spark, something to be hungry about. You know what I mean?
1: Kansas was the overall number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Kentucky, Duke, and Syracuse rounded out the rest of the top seeds. West Virginia was the two seed in the East region. If they were going to make it through the region to the Elite Eight, they were expected to play Kentucky. And what a matchup that would be. But we'll get to that later. And Despite the disappointment, the number two seed was the Mountaineers' highest seeding in the NCAA tournament since 1982. WVU had 10-1 to 1 odds of winning the whole thing. West Virginia opened the tournament with number 15 seed Morgan State in an early Friday afternoon matchup in Buffalo, New York. According to the books, this was a sure victory for the Mountaineers. But of course, this team was also expected to win its 2009 opening round, and that didn't happen after being upset by Dayton. Butler remembered that one all too well. Senior forward Deshaun Butler. Like, I don't really – I'm not going to lie. The team the
5: year before was, like, really good as as well. This year I knew we were going to – that I said this year, but that senior year. I knew we are going to be good because we had so many more guys coming back from the year before, and everybody knew their roles. They had to master their roles in a sense. And these guys have played in big games. Like, the last person I'm worried about in a big game is Joe Mizzou. The last person I'm worried about in a big game is Cam Thurman. Like, these are my guys. Like, I watched them play amazing games against – amazing teams like Duke and so on and so forth so I'm not worried about these guys what I was worried about was what would happen if we got to the tournament and things weren't going right initially because I've seen good things when we got into tournament play like like I seen my freshman year went to night I saw good things when things are going well I saw good things but as a freshman I didn't really have too much to I shot the ball and stayed out of the way kind of and those guys did a lot of heavy lifting my sophomore year Joe Alexander, Darius Nichols, Alex Ruoff, and then obviously uh, Joe Mazula stepping in and Kim Thurman stepping in. They did a lot of heavy, like, lifting for for the tournament run. Then the year that I was, like, the leading scorer of the team with Alex, no Joe Mazula, a bunch of young guys. We go to the tournament, and we lose first round of day. And it's like, well, that was, like, my showing. So it was like um, – <laughs> Like, what are we, like, what's it going to be like when it's the tournament hits? Because we can win all these games and look as good as we want to look, but it's all for nothing if we come out the first game and just, like, you know, lose. So that was, like, my main thing. I, I knew our team was very talented, but it means nothing until we get to the tournament and win that first game and get that shit off our back and then just move forward. I, I always thought, like, if we got past the first game, I wasn't really
1: worried about it. And this is where the Mountaineers' NCAA tournament mentality became reality. Six games, six wins. That's all it would take for West Virginia to earn its first national championship in men's basketball. But Morgan State was a sneaky matchup in the first round. The Bears came into the game with a 27-9 record, and they'd steamrolled their way through the MEAC, earning both the regular season and conference tournament titles to grab the NCAA tournament bid. They were led by the nation's 11th leading scorer, Reggie Holmes, who averaged nearly 22 points per game and was an extremely talented outside shooter. They had a few front court players that could give WVU some troubles, too. The game plan, you'd have to assume, would be to shut down Holmes and to out-tough Morgan State on the glass. Well, it didn't all start too well for West Virginia. Its nightmares from a year ago seemed to be creeping back pretty quickly. Morgan State scored the first ten points of the game, which was not exactly how they'd written the script. I didn't want to go into uh any kind of post play
5: on some type of big like uh winning streak because sooner or later, like, you know, I kind of like from what I've seen, you win like six in a row, seven in a row, and then you go into the your conference tournament and you win a couple and then lose. Now it's like, all right, well, we got the tournament and now we gotta like get back to that. Like it's the that high like you have to get back to that point and if you don't it's a disappointment so it's like increasing pressure in a sense like i kind of felt like the post play is what we needed to like i'd rather use the post play as our momentum than the regular season and then going to post play catch a, a loss and now it's like oh we got to rebuild now and what are we rebuilding in the the playoffs like it's kind of it's kind of tough like so to go into buffalo like Morgan State was like so; they were a hard team to play against. They had they had like two dudes, two big guys, like or like they were huge, like 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 heavy wise, like like they like football players, like very talented team. Uh, one of my friends from high school actually played on that team. Um, they were a good team. They won their their uh, conference, all right, and it was a close game. I think they were beating us by like twelve zip before the, we scored our first basket. Like really, really good team, and. uh That was like my worry, (laughs) the first game. It's always the first game because this can all end right here.
1: But the Mountaineers would not stay down for too long. Kevin Jones hit nine straight to cut Morgan State's lead to just three. Then Joe Missoula tied the game with a contested layup and converted on the and-one opportunity to give the Mountaineers their first lead of the game with 5.08 left to play in the first half. From there, Morgan State got sloppy with the ball toward the end of the half and West Virginia took advantage. The Mountaineers went on a 19-6 run to head into the break, up 38-27. KJ had 13 points in the first half. Devin Ebanks added 10, while Butler was held to just three.
0: ...players that can start on any team in the country. Down low, and Davis throws it away. And those three players, Holmes, Thompson, and Jackson, to the basket, Missoula, had one. And West Virginia with a chance to take the lead for the first time.
6: John Flowers in the game. West Virginia Flowers, a defender, rebounder, and he can run the floor. Good athlete. Ebanks to the bucket. Speaking of athletes, Devin Ebanks. He looks like one of those frisky Colts right out the barn, streaking to the basket.
1: The Mountaineers came out of the gate strong in the second half. Opening on an 11 to 2 run, and ultimately strolling to a 77 to 50 win, Jones had a team high 17 points. Ebanks was right behind him with 16, and the defense did its job, holding Holmes to just 12 points on four of 17 shooting. He left the court as Morgan State's all-time leading scorer. Thank
5: goodness, uh, some of the guys made some shots because I didn't. I think I made. I didn't make any shots until we got tied. I was like, holy, God, I, I suck right now. And then uh, we caught up, and then made a couple shots, and then we ended up extending the lead a little bit, played some really good team basketball. And then we ended up pulling out the win, and we ended up winning, I want to say, like, plus 15 or something like that. It was like we ended up – it got away. So I was, like, very thankful that it it was, like, a no-pressure win almost in a sense because everybody had, I want to say, like around 10 points or something like that in in that ballpark. And – We won together and it was all right, cool. The pressure's off. Now
1: we get ready for this next game. One win down, five to go. Up next in Buffalo, two days later was Missouri, the 10 seed, having just upset seven seed Clemson on Friday. Missouri was coached by Mike Anderson and had developed a reputation for its fastest 40 minutes in basketball. The Tigers played the full-court press nearly all game long, resulting in an NCAA-leading 19.7 turnovers per game. Plus, they were coming off of an Elite Eight run of their own in 2009. The all-out press was new to West Virginia. Heading into the game, it seemed like the pressure would be on Truck Bryant and Joe Mazzula to hold on to the ball and make good decisions. But West Virginia also had a strong advantage on the inside. The Mountaineers scored on their first possession and generally stayed consistent on offense for the whole half, but the Tigers tied it up at 25 with two minutes to play and had a chance to take the lead on three separate trips down the court, but they failed to do so. WVU went into the half on a 5-0 run and led by five at the break. Both teams were playing solidly. West Virginia, through Butler, was able to stay ahead. He had 19 points, including four three-pointers in the first half. And it was his tough bucket with under 8 to play that put his team up by 9.
6: 10 to shoot. Smith. Butler. Shows. Down the lane. Runner. Off the window. That's a big time play. Oh, he makes big time shots. Six game winners this year, including two in the Big East Championship. He's the go-to guy. Things break down. Deshaun is the one you
1: look for. But Missouri wasn't done just yet. With under five minutes remaining, a three brought the Tigers within one possession. If West Virginia was gonna hold on, it would need some big plays. Missoula hit a layup, giving West Virginia a seven point lead. And less than a minute later, in almost the exact same scenario following a missed free throw, Butler was there again.
6: But a lot of time left in this game. As
0: Thurlman misses. both Offensive rebounds, That stick back by Butler!
6: Boy, how many times has he done that? Big shot after big shot throughout this season. And again, outstanding job of getting free for that big rebound, as he mentioned before. That's been the key for West Virginia.
1: The Mountaineers wound up winning 68-59. to 59. They survived that fastest 40 minutes of basketball with toughness. Not only did WVU limit the turnovers to just 10, they earned 41 rebounds and hit 25 of 33 free throws to Missouri's 12 of 20. West Virginia's defense, as was often the case, was the key to victory. And at the end of the game, the Let's Go Mountaineers chant roared from the crowd in Buffalo. They were on to the Sweet 16.
4: Then the next game, everyone's talking about Missouri. They were known for their press defense, which was called, like, 40 minutes of hell or something something like that. Something stupid like that. So we were ready for that. And uh, I think Joe Missoula and Chuck, they really handled the press well. And we came out and got that one. I don't know if I scored. uh, I remember playing some great defense that game, but...
1: Butler was the star of the game. After a sub-par opening round, he recovered well. He had a game-high 28 points, including 12 of 13 from the charity stripe. It was West Virginia's fourth trip to the Sweet 16 in the last six years. This team was as hot as ever, and they were becoming a fan favorite not just for their play on the court, but for their antics off of it. You'll remember that while bored in their hotel room prior to the game against Missouri, John Flowers posted the team's reaction to number one seed Kansas being knocked off by Northern Iowa. Flowers then posted three more videos that night featuring Deshaun Butler, Joe Missoula, Johnny West, all of them joking around, including the team doing the famous Night at the Roxbury dance from Saturday Night Live.
7: What is love? not
1: I
4: mean, I think we were just bored. It's in Buffalo. It's nothing to do in Buffalo. Is it? I don't know if there is anything to do in Buffalo, but if there was, we weren't doing it. I didn't have any girls, so we was just chilling. I mean, that's the type of team we had. We were all cool. That was the kind of like the crew that, like when I said we had different cliques, that was kind of like the clique that we all hung out with. Me, Johnny, Deshaun, Joe, Cam Thurman, uh, Wellington, yeah, so we were just bored and just needed something to do. I was recording the videos. That's all I did, was just record. It wasn't everyone thinks that it's my it was like my idea. I just started I just turned the camera on. You know what I mean? But if we would have lost then Hugs probably would have blamed me, of course, like he always does, but it wasn't it wasn't really my idea. I don't know whose idea it was.
5: I wouldn't even say it was like an idea, like it was just more like we're like imagine just sitting in a room, like we're sitting in our uh, our hotel room, and you can't go anywhere, like, cause everyone else that's from West Virginia or from wherever, who's a WVU fan, is in our hotel. They're all downstairs in the lobby. We can't go anywhere in the lobby really without like somebody like either. I want to say I want to say bothering, but more or less like we can't go anywhere in the lobby and just relax without it looking like either we're doing something we're not supposed to be doing, like, at the bar or something. Like, just doing – it's like, as a player, you know, like, most players know, like, you kind of, like, stay to your room for the most part. And um so we're in our room, and we all hang out in our room. Like, we'll pick a room or two rooms we'll all hang out in. So it'll be, like, five of us or six of us so will go to a room, and we'll hang out. And, like, videos will come on TV, and we'd sit there and laugh and talk about those things. And then, I mean, it just became like – it was like a little joke. We were joking around, and – recording one of the guys making a joke and then then two two of the other guys joined in with him and this, this time and it's like all right cool hold no, on let's do it like this now like and then we just ended up like spending the the entire evening just like goofing around recording videos just having fun while we possibly can because it's, it's a fun time like,
2: yeah well we were always that kind of team that we just love to have fun um from making fun of the coaches to making fun of ourselves, other teammates. We just always enjoyed like laughing. If you didn't have a, a sense of humor or, or thick skin, you couldn't be on that team because you would constantly be getting joked on no matter who you were. So I think for us to separate that between when we got on the court and being totally serious, that I think uh, that was a big you know thing for our team because that's how we... That's how we got up for the game. That's how we, you know, how we uh, approached it with, uh, we knew the seriousness of it, but at the same time, we all knew it was a game as well. So we wanted to go out and have fun and just going viral. That was just, that was just a little look inside of what, you know, goes on with us. It was just a lot of fun behind
1: the scenes. They were having fun and they were winning. What could be better? The Mountaineers made it out of Buffalo and were heading to Syracuse for the Sweet 16. They'd play Washington first. Kentucky, the number one seed, faced 12-seed Cornell. As long as no upsets occurred, it would be a battle of the top seeds in the Big East bracket. But prior to the game with the Huskies, Chuck Bryant suffered an injury in practice. And with a break to his fifth metatarsal on his right foot, he was going to miss the rest of whatever run the Mountaineers made in the tournament. Sophomore guard Truck Bryant. Uh,
4: I was uh, probably one of the toughest times in my life. Just th- not even that. I hurt my foot and I had to go to re- go through rehab and for three months, four months, whatever, whatever. It was just that I couldn't help my brothers no more. My, I was. It was over. I couldn't help my brothers no more, and I just wanted to be out there with them, and that was it.
2: I just know that being his um, his best friend and his roommate for four years, how disappointed he was um, that that happened, and how disappointed I was for him. Um, because he was having a good season up to that point. and And um, he was our primary ball handler. So um, I know that Truck is a very um, fun-loving guy. So he found a way that, you know, even through his injury, that to stay connected to the team, he was still making jokes, still making sure everybody was uh, loose for the game. And um, he just, all he could do was be on the side and support it. And that's exactly what he did. And um, he never was pouting. He just went through the whole process and uh, he went through it like a man. Um, really helped us get prepared in the best way he could on the sidelines. And um, yeah, he was just a he was a good sport through, through it all. Because I know that's it wasn't an easy injury for him. And I'm not sure if he's had an injury like that in his life before. So it was something new for him. Um, but we all rallied around him. And um, yeah, he, he did a great job.
1: Without their starting point guard, the Mountaineers were about to put their chances on the surgically repaired shoulder of Joe Missoula, plus a bunch of forwards who could handle the ball from time to time. Not ideal coming up against Washington, who had already defeated Big East foe Marquette and three-seed New Mexico on the way to the Sweet 16. The Huskies were at a bit of a disadvantage after traveling more than 2,700 miles to the Carrier Dome. But they were also on a nine-game win streak, led by senior forward Quincy Pondexter, who averaged nearly 20 points per game. Sophomore Isaiah Thomas, at just 5'9", averaged 17. What Washington did best, though, was score in transition. It would be a battle of tempo. The Huskies wanted to go fast and score in advantage situations. West Virginia wanted to play slow, owning the glass and scoring buckets inside. Well, something had to give. WVU didn't play too well in the first half and actually trailed 29-27 to 27 at halftime after giving up 13 turnovers. It seemed like the team was really missing its starting point guard in Truck Bryant. The Mountaineers only made one of eight three-pointers in the first half. It was all so uncharacteristic for West Virginia. In fact, the team looked much more like one from December and January than it had through its late season undefeated stretch. In the second half, things were much different. West Virginia tied the game at 29, just 12 seconds into the period, on a baseline jumper from Butler. He followed that up with a three, less than a minute later, for the biggest lead of the game. A lob
0: again, and Smith unable to ramble it down Back to West Virginia, Butler for three. Big- from Butler. He has five quick points to open this
1: second With hand. more than 16 minutes left, Huskies coach Lorenzo Romar called a timeout down three, feeling a momentum shift. And he was right. Washington regained the lead at 37-36, to 36, but that was the final push from his team. It was all West Virginia from that point on. Jones hit a three to take back the lead, and they wouldn't trail again.
0: West Virginia's having to start their offense further out on the floor than they want to, but they can get some back cuts. They've not been doing that. They need to look for it. Jones for three down the bottom of the well. Devin Jones, a couple of trays and eight points on the game.
1: Romar and his team just weren't used to West Virginia's toughness. With 8-11 to play, Romar, who was furious following a questionable blocking call on the Huskies, received a technical foul with his team down nine. Ebanks hit the two technical foul free throws and Butler followed it up with two free throws on the blocking foul that gave West Virginia a 13 point lead and basically sealed this one up. It was the end of a 20 to six run and WVU won 69 to 56.
4: Syracuse is great, man. You know, just playing in that big arena and, and that atmosphere was just amazing. It just felt, felt right. You know what I mean? It was just great vibes that whole weekend. So we play Washington, they had uh Isaiah Thomas, I know. He's a really good player. But uh a lot of teams in the tournament overall, they weren't ready for our defense and playing against a bunch of six seven guys that can play one through five, you know what I mean? So uh that was that was really our our strongest point in the uh in the tournament was our defense and how we could switch everything, you know what I mean? So they we, we gave them problems. I remember Nate Robinson was on the sideline talking trash to someone, Deshaun, I
1: think. I'm not sure. Junior guard Joe Mazzula. I know we
8: were we when we were preparing for that game. It was like we were we were very worried about that game because of how talented they were, and like they had those they had it and Abdul Gaddy. Like those were two like really good guards. I remember specifically the assistant coaches like you know this. Obviously, it's a Sweet 16 game, but it was also like these guys are talented. And we obviously listened because we were losing at halftime.
1: WVU finished with a season-high 23 turnovers, and Washington turned those into 20 fast-break points. But the Mountaineers had a 17 to nothing advantage in second-chance points and out-rebounded Washington by 20. The battle of two contrasting styles ended up in West Virginia's favor. Pondexter struggled with foul trouble and only scored 7 points, while Jones led WVU with 18. WVU's third win of the NCAA tournament was also its 30th of the season. Three more wins left for the Mountaineers to reach their destiny. It was on to the Elite Eight for the Mountaineers, and as expected, they would face number one seed Kentucky two days later after the Wildcats had easily dismantled Cornell 62-45. It was the battle everyone wanted to see. Bob Huggins versus John Calipari. Number one seed versus number two seed. In front of more than 22,000 in the Carrier Dome, the country would be waiting to see who would make it to the Final Four. And almost no one gave West Virginia a chance. And they're freshmen,
5: though. They're like, it's <laughs> they're right all freshmen. And it's like, they can by far be like the most athletic players on the court, which they were. They can even have like one of the strongest guys on the court, which they did. But at the end of the day, like I kind of looked at it as like, yo, they're freshmen. Like as I couldn't imagine, like I couldn't fathom, like like freshmen beating our team. I just couldn't think of it. Like I just, I couldn't even put it in my mind. Like they're a good team. Like did I know John Wall is gonna be like an M one pick? Yes. <laughs> like it's, I'm not stupid. Like I was, I'm not negating that. At the same time, I just looked at it at that point in time. Like yo, these guys are freshmen. They're starting five freshmen, maybe four. I think Pat, Pat Patterson was the four man. He was the he was a sophomore. I wasn't planning on losing the game to like a team full of freshmen. Like, I just didn't think that was going to be an issue. I didn't know we, were, we weren't going to make any twos in the first half, though. Like I was, but I didn't notice either because we made some threes. So I wasn't like it wasn't like I was a uh, kind of
1: hard pressed on us not making two point shots. Kentucky was perhaps the most talented team in the whole country, led by freshmen John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. It was the battle of youth and talent versus experience and grit. Cousins averaged 15.1 points and 9.9 rebounds per game. At six foot eleven, he had 20 double doubles for the season, and he missed just three shots from the field in the NCAA tournament.
3: Well, yeah, so we're we're walking into you know kind of our uh, our film session, and you know, there's (laughs) I'm not sure why Coach Harrison may have done this, but Derek or uh, not Derek character, but Demarcus Cousins was the first one on the screen. Right, so like we all knew as we were picking up our food before we get to went to uh, sit down for the film session that you know I was gonna have to guard them or at least try to. But with all that being said, we knew these guys are just freshmen, right? I think Patrick Patterson was a sophomore, but these guys are just freshmen. So we know our what our freshmen are capable of. We know what their freshmen are capable of as well. But we know that they everyone has lapses. We had lapses when we were. Uh, when we were freshmen, now, of course, we're not, we're not John Wall or DeMarcus Cousins or Eric Bledsoe, but um, they're all human, right? So, you know, it is a big game, something they've never been a part of that we have been a part of before. Um, so, you know, it, we're, we're all on the same playing field. Uh, actually, we feel like we had a, a a level up, at least I felt like we had a level up just because you know, these guys are all freshmen and, and, and we're a, a senior led team and uh, or a senior and junior led team. And we knew we knew how to attack, um, attack a program or attack a team like this.
1: Coming into the game, Kentucky had lost just twice with a thirty five and two record. The Wildcats scored a lot, played fast and of course won a bunch. They were the favorites to win the entire NCAA tournament. I, I personally
2: always kept up with their games throughout the season, just because of how talented they were and how good they were. So um, I, we nobody had to tell us how good they were. We already knew, but from the scouting report, we still had to find a weakness that we felt we could exploit um, to, to give us a, a better advantage.
1: WVU came into the game as an underdog for the first time in a long time. That meant they would have to have a solid plan and stick to it. They were ready. Assistant Coach Billy Hahn.
7: I would would describe that as making the extra pass. You know, you you think about those shots that were made and everyone was a three-pointer. Why? Because there was an extra pass always made that people could have settled for a shot earlier in the possession, but they would always make the extra pass. And none of those three-pointers... Were contested. Those three pointers were all pretty much open looks. Reason being, making the extra pass, somebody could have taken a shot prior to the final shot of the possession, but didn't because they were unselfish. And the extra pass led to a better shot.
9: Assistant coach Larry Harrison. I told Coach, you know, Coach and I was talking about the game plan, and the coach, we're going to beat these guys, you know, and he said, he, he said we can do it. I said, because yeah, we can. I, I don't think our guys had any fear of Kentucky. I think I, I, when when we saw the bracket on that selection Sunday, when we saw the bracket, first of all, we thought we should have been a number one seed instead of a number two seed, because we won the Big East. But we are the number two seed. But when we saw Kentucky in our bracket, I think our guys would focus that we was going to play Kentucky in the Elite Eight game. And uh, I think they was ready and and, and I think all that developed during the course of the year. Like I said, our, our personality, everyone, everyone kind of like, you know, knew their role. Everybody knew what, what we had to do. And, you know, by playing together, our motion offense, uh, playing one 3 one to throw a team off balance, um, playing in the carrier dome, playing Kentucky, Um, I our guys were ready. I mean, we were, I I, I would say, and, and not taking anything away from Kentucky, but I think we were more ready to play than they were.
2: As good as they were, I don't think they were put in a lot of positions where they had to come from behind or another team was really hitting them back and weren't scared of them. I felt like they won a lot of their games before halftime was over. So we wanted to grind it out as much as possible. And we could tell they were getting frustrated because they couldn't just pull away like they did with most teams that season. So I think for us, the um, the week leading up to that game, we just went into it like, you know, just stay close, stay with it. They're talented. So they're going to hit some amazing shots. They're going to score tough shots. But if we stay with our game plan, we have a great chance of winning. And that's what we did.
8: The thing I remember about that was Huggs did a great job of not making them bigger than what they were and giving us exactly what he thought was necessary to win the game, regardless of NBA or anything like that. We treated it as a normal scout and he clearly laid out what the most important factors were. And he showed complete confidence in that if we executed the game plan, we would win the game. That's just who Huggs was. Like he always believed in himself.
1: The stage was set. And from the first tip-off, West Virginia came out in a 1-3-1 zone. A tactic the Mountaineers felt like they had to use to withstand the sheer talent from Kentucky.
9: 1-3-1 was wasn't a defense that Coach Huggins really um uh, ran a lot. But they did it at, you know, on the B line. And so Coach gave Missoula and Deshaun and Wellington the freedom to not necessarily teach us the one three one, but to familiarize us with how they ran it. And when we we incorporated that, you know, and into and playing harder, being more aggressive. So we, we took the basics of what V line did in the one three one and then just incorporated our style of play as far as being aggressive uh and and and, and playing harder and trapping out of it and things like that.
1: In the first half, Kentucky's work inside the paint was paying off, jumping out to an early 16-9 lead. But West Virginia was firing from the outside. In fact, the Mountaineers didn't score a single point inside the arc for the whole first 20 minutes. Eight threes allowed the Mountaineers to head into the locker room with a two-point lead.
0: This is a team that has not shot the ball well throughout the course of this season from the perimeter. And right now, they can't get anything going offensively and yet they're just four points down in this game. This is a grinding, tough-minded team. Jones from outside, another three ball, and it's 16 to 15. All they have to do is get the ball into the paint, either lob it up there, or shoot it, and let them go after the rebound. Butler again, and the game is tied as he hits a back-to-back threes. My, oh my. And there's a steal, Missoula, going the other way. Plenty of white shirts are back. Butler will try another three. Oh, he's got the hot hand. And West Virginia leads for only the second time in the game. All on Butler. And he nails another one and fouled. Line drive, that one home. Deshaun Butler is a big game player. And this is as big a game as he has played in in his collegiate career.
8: Those guys were they were monsters. Like we couldn't score inside the paint. The only choice we had was to shoot the open shot outside. I mean, I think I got two blocks. That I think I got my shot blocked twice in the first half. So I was like, I wasn't going in there. But like I said, it all goes back to hugs. Like he was just very detailed in how we were going to win the game. If we did certain things, they were going to put us in position to win. And one of them was just trying out tough them. They were talented, but if we out tough them, and if you constantly lean on them and constantly are just tough with them that you'll, you'll wear them down a little bit and you'll have a chance. And I thought we wore them down a little bit.
1: Right out of the break, WVU went back to its outside game. KJ drained another three to give WVU a 31 to 26 advantage.
0: Jones in the corner, he'll try the three and Mountaineers start where they finished. The first half with another three. 10 points for Jones.
1: Cousins recorded his third foul with more than 18 minutes left in the game, and that gave WVU a chance to work the ball down inside. And after starting the game 0-16 for in the paint, Missoula drove into the lane and recorded an easy layup to extend the Mountaineers' lead to to 33-26. And then Flowers made his mark on the game.
0: Seven-point lead's the biggest in the game for West Virginia. Kentucky led by seven a couple of times first half. Flowers, he hits a three. Wow! This is Disneyland for West Virginia. 10 trays out of 17 attempts, and they lead number one Kentucky by 10.
1: West Virginia was now in control, but Kentucky wasn't out of it just yet. The Wildcats cut the lead to five twice in the span of a few minutes, until Missoula started to carry the team on his back. After two free throws, he drove the lane again and scored an uncontested layup, putting WVU up 47-36 and forcing Calipari to take a timeout. WVU took its biggest lead of the game after a stretch that truly defined the Mountaineers. A tough bucket from Ebanks, a solid defensive stand, and two free throws again from Ebanks. Kentucky cut the lead to single digits, even getting within four with 25 seconds to play. But the Mountaineers, who had struggled at times during the season with free throws, sunk them when it mattered most. They hit 23 of 24 that night. Down by five with 16 seconds left, Darnell Dodson threw up a corner three defended well by Cam Thurman that fell short. Ebanks pulled down the rebound. He hit both free throws and he sealed the victory.
0: Seconds left, ball to Kentucky, but West Virginia they can indeed. It's real. Bob Huggins' team is going to knock out the Wildcats tonight. Dodson's final shot is not there, and West Virginia goes to the final four, the first time in 51 years. Not since the Jerry West-led team in 1959 lost in the finals to California 71-70. Had the Mountaineers made it to the final four, this battling gritty team of Bob Huggins gets to go back. The native of the state, the entire state cheering as the Mountaineers, much like Kentucky, they're the state's team. Have advanced and will play either Duke or Baylor. We'll watch that game tomorrow. Butler and West Virginia, the first two to dance their way to
1: Indianapolis. Kentucky just couldn't handle the 1-3-1 zone. They were 4 of 32 from behind the arc. In the end, that was really the difference. Heading into the game, ESPN ran a fan poll to predict the outcome. 49 states picked Kentucky to win. The lone state to pick the Mountaineers? You guessed it, West Virginia.
4: Every state except for one said that we was going to lose. Every state except one. I wonder who that state was. West Virginia! I don't know if people believe in like basketball guys and stuff like that, but they were definitely on our side that day, because i don't think that's ever happened before so everything was going our way and everything was not going their way they were missing shots they played bad and then that one three one really messed them up hugs put me in the game it's a great decision by him and he he put me on in the one three one and i rattled him up a little bit you know a little razzle dazzle and uh really changed the uh the outcome of the game you know uh Everyone was hitting threes. I hit a three, and then I airballed the next three, which was just a downer for me. But uh, I blocked John Wall's shot. There was one play in that game. Uh, John Wall had a three, and I blocked it. And then Deshaun, being the guy that he is, he he got the rebound, and I'm running on the fast break. And he, I don't know. I was still trying to figure it out. I don't know if he did it on purpose or not. But I kind of had a wide open dunk, you know, and he just threw it over my head out of bounds. I would have dunked on John Wall. And I'd probably be in the NBA right now, but it's not the way Deshaun wanted it.
1: Missoula, in for Bryant, scored 17 points. 14 of those came in the second half. He was named the East Region's most outstanding player.
7: You know, you could, uh, and Hugs was good at it. And uh I was sort of in charge of all the guards when we broke down practice with the guard stuff the guards were at one end you could uh you could rattle you could rattle Joe and challenge his manhood a little bit and challenge him his toughness and his manhood and when you did that Joe would come out spitting fireballs and spitting fire and I mean you talk about a wild man but you could get you could you could eat, you could you could you could itch Joe into that And and that's what Hugs did, and that's what our team needed at that halftime, where everybody sort of got that spark again.
9: Most point guards, I said most, (laughs) most point guards are kind of like coaches on the floor, and and I and I think Joe, Joe, uh, was that type of guard. You know, he, uh, I don't remember him in high school, and don't really know why, Beeline recruited him, but when we Became the coaches here, you, you could see that he had a high basketball IQ. That, that he knew what was going on on the floor. Uh, practices, he 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 he, he, was, he was very vocal. Uh, played hard, had that intensity that, as a coach, you like and you really like it when it comes from your point guard.
5: I mean, that's the the that's the. Shit, I can't even tell like the key and the engine that made the team go, bro. Like he's a byfar is the first guy I met before I came here in camp. He's the guy that convinced me to come here. If there's anything I can say about him, is like I could trust Joe to do anything he put his mind to. So would I be worried about Joe Mazula at the bottom of the one three one? Again, nah, I'm not worried at all. Like toughest dude in our team part of our team.
8: I would say those guys did a great job, especially for me. That year and a half of playing with the shoulder surgery and playing some games, not playing some and not shooting, you know, that was hard on me mentally and I thought my teammates did a great job of telling me to like snap out of it and say, "Hey, like, you know, there are certain things that you can do to help us win." So I think it was just an all around for all of us, like the ability for us to speak honestly with each other when we felt like we were doing our job and when we weren't doing our job was key. I think, like we talk about, like what my role was on the team, regardless of if I was starting or not, I had one job. And it was to defend at a high, high level and get the ball to the the people that could actually score on the offensive end. So whether I was starting or doing that or coming off the bench,
3: it didn't matter. I mean, Joe Mazzulli, he walks into a bar. He's going to get a free drink wherever he goes (laughs) in West Virginia. Um, I mean, he's – we knew that Joe was a little bit nuts uh, a little bit crazy and but was tough as nails um and wasn't going to back down regardless of the size of you um you know so it was actually a uh it was actually better that that joe did that than 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 me at the time i think joe did that uh they had to guard a guy bigger than bigger than him and similar maybe you know somewhat smaller size um two years prior to that when we played South Florida. Uh, and and joe guarded their center you know took a, i took a couple of plays off got yanked joe guarded their center and did a remarkable job at it and so it wasn't something that we've that we that he's never done before it's just something that was highlighted because of who it was um and the teammate was against and he held his own i'll you know i'll always be proud of him with the person that he's uh that he's become as well um but yeah yeah, Joe, Joe cemented his, his legacy uh, at that, during that game and during that run. Like Joe uh, knew that he was ready for that moment, and he, you know he definitely proved that he was.
1: As the Mountaineers cut down the nets and celebrated in Syracuse, Mountaineer fans in the Carrier Dome shouted, two more games. Four down, two to go. John Flowers did his own rendition of John Wall's trademark dance as the team accepted its trophy. And Deshaun Butler let it all soak in just moments after mouthing, I run college basketball out on the court. These memories are etched into the brains of Mountaineer fans from Monongalia to Mason, McDowell to Morgan, and all counties in between.
2: It's it's funny because it's like I, I expected us to be there, but at the same time it didn't it still didn't feel real. Um like I said, we put so much hard work and effort into that season that I felt like it was only right for us to be there. And I'm sure other teams do the same as well, but I feel like everything we sacrificed that, um, you know, that nothing was given to us. Like we earn what we got. And that was the most satisfying part is to know that, that we earned that. And, um, man, just to win the big East tournament to win your conference tournament and, uh, go to the final four in the same season. um, that's – man, It not a not a lot of guys – I mean, I'm sure a lot of guys can say that, but just the way that we did it, um, I think it was kind of improbable. A lot of people didn't see us going that far, except for West Virginia fans. And just to beat all those odds, man, um, it was an incredible feeling.
4: Yeah, it was just – I remember we just used to see John Wall all the time, and that used to really make us mad because we didn't get the love that we were supposed to get, so – I mean, so we really just, not me being me, just I just shoved it in his face. I'm probably not the player that should be standing on score tables. You know what I mean? Cause I only scored like four, four or five points. But we
2: didn't score a two point field goal in the first half, so it was all straight threes. So um, when he when he hit the first one, you know he. Um, he was getting his confidence going because he was struggling up to that point. And then he got, and then he hit a couple flurry of threes. And then the second one, when he said I run college basketball, and um, the, I think Coach Calipari took a timeout. And I think that's when he was saying that going over to the bench, it was just like one of those intense moments when you knew Deshaun,
1: okay, like he's here now, like he's ready to go. The Mountaineers were heading to Indianapolis to play in the final four they'd face number one seed Duke. And we'll continue the journey in our next episode. So join us next time. Thanks for listening to the show. Follow us on Facebook,
0: Twitter, and Instagram at Final Forecast or call us at 304-807-9098.